welcome to the Red Bra Project podcast, where red bra moments live. I'm Renee Bouse, founder and co-creator of the Red Bra Project. Each week, my co-host Shauna and I bring new conversations from amazing women all over the globe, sharing their stories of hope, wisdom, inspiration, and power, right alongside of grit, sweat, resilience, beauty, and tears. These stories help to elevate and inspire your life, creating a positive ripple effect. Get ready to feel the energy, motivation, and self-assurance to rock your everyday. We are so excited to have you join us. Let's do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Red Bra Project. I'm Renee. I'm your your host today. My co-host is not able to join us, but Shauna sends her love. And we are so excited today to sit down and share with you an incredible guest for episode 75. We have Christine Arilo, who is a transformational leadership advisor, three times best-selling author, and recognized worldwide for her work helping women to make shift happen. We are so excited to chat with you today, Christine. Thank you for joining us. Um, and welcome to the Red Bra Project. I'm excited to be here, you all. I can't wait to see what kind of juicy conversation we have. I hope it'll be enlightening and empowering and also enjoyable for everybody Ooh, today. I like that combination. That's like a trifecta. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so why don't you tell us, start off by telling us a little bit about where you're coming from today and kind of what your background is. Yeah, I was so excited to get the invitation to be here, A, because who would say like no to anything that has a red bra in front of, you know, anything, number one. Number two, I love connecting with women and having real, real conversation about what's going on in our lives and, and then kind of breaking through to the other side. So kind of background on me um, is that I kind of grew up in the corporate world, had my MBA kind of, you know, did that kind of normal, you know, climb the ladder of success. I now call it the escalator to death. Um, (laughs) And um, left that world in 2006 when I realized that the models for growth were completely unsustainable and that I had become kind of like an achievement junkie, no matter how much I did, no matter how much I succeeded, there was never enough, there was always more. And that led me to get really clear, like, wow, the way I've been educated and trained has set me up to basically just burn out really and always be overwhelmed. And so I'm like, I'm going to go try my hand at being an entrepreneur. And I had my first book was coming out and, and I don't know, it might've been worse. I mean, (laughs) it might've been worse. And I remember the first day I had what I call my um, first superwoman sob. And Renee, I'm wondering if you've had one of these or anyone listening has. So I'm six months into being an entrepreneur. I'm working two jobs, like my consulting job to pay for my coaching business and my book release and all of that. So I'm straddling these two worlds. And no matter, you know, I have a vision board, Oprah's on it, you know, I have all my goals up there. Plus I'm an MBA. So I have all these spreadsheets, you know, all about my goals. And I'm just sitting in my office and all the papers are everywhere and the tears just start to come. And, and the despair and the heart of like, no matter how much I'm working, no matter how hard I'm trying, there just never seems to be enough. Enough of me, enough resources, enough staff. It's almost like when I had my corporate job, it was easier to hide in it because I had all these resources and I had millions and gazillions of dollars of budgets and I didn't have that anymore. And so when those moments happen, those superwoman sob moments of complete overwhelm and meltdown, what you want to do and what I did is you slow down and you listen. So it's kind of like, think of like a storm, like, you know, and it rains really hard. And then there's that calm, 
right after the storm. So this day I was smart enough not to just hop back on and get on my computer and start working again. And I just really got really quiet and tuned into my intuition and like, what's going on here? And that little voice, you know, that one that speaks to you when you're really listening. She's not really little. She's pretty, you know, darn smart. I call our feminine wisdom, our fierce feminine wisdom. She says to me, Christine, you keep working this way and you're going to burn out. You're going to get sick and worse, you're never going to make your mission. And I'm like, okay, that's true. Apparently got it. So then it goes on and it starts talking and it says, and what you need is the feminine. And I was like, huh. That is true, but I don't even know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I get that, but I don't know what that is. And four months later, I met my spiritual mentor and teacher who I call the Yoda of the, of the Sacred Feminine. This is back in 2006. And it opened up an entire world for me of really remembering a whole different way of working and achieving and succeeding that was actually more normal. And it just took me about a decade to unravel the imprint and then find that new way and try it out and experiment with it. And now here we are um, today. And this is what I help other women do. Wow. That is just, there's so much there from, from, I love how you called a superwoman stop moment. And any, I think there's so many of us that can absolutely relate. I mean, they hit out of nowhere and it just, it doesn't feel good, but the fact that you stayed in kind of the quiet after the storm and you could hear your intuition is that's a gift itself because a lot of times we're usually running on to the next thing. Um, we don't really have time to listen. And even though we know something's wrong, we may miss that voice, even though it's loud and, you know, boisterous. Sometimes uh, we, I think that mentally and emotionally, sometimes we protect ourselves from listening to it because it can mm -hmm. lead to uncomfortable change. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is really, really interesting that you have that reflection to look back on and back to your corporate world. Did you, um, gosh, it's such a big step just to become an entrepreneur, but do you, was that your intuition again, you kind of felt it in yourself and knew that you had to do that? I did. I, I, um, I, I had been a consultant in the corporate world and then I worked on the corporate side for a while and I just got to the place where my, really my intuition, I, I was actually doing a 10 month leadership um, training, but it was not like that traditional leadership. It was more what I call wisdom based leadership. And so I'm on this retreat for this 10 month program and it's like the last retreat and I'm like walking around and I just keep hearing this voice. So I'm auditory. My intuition is auditory. Some people are auditory. Some people are visual. Some people are empathic. It's really important to know how your intuition speaks to you. And I just kept hearing this voice, like you need to write you need to write. And I'm like, whatever, like, <laughs> you know, and then I go and sit down by the tree one day and like, literally kind of like Buddha, I hear the voice, like it's really loud, like you need to write now. And I'm just like, fine, okay, I'll write. And I kid you all not. I had this little piece of pad of paper and I like literally wrote out an outline, which became the outline of my first book, Choosing Me Before We, which is about relationship and how smart women end up in not great relationship and how to do something differently. And that became, it took me four years to write the book, but about halfway in there, I just got the feeling like it was time to go out and, and, and try this. You know, if I didn't go out and try it, then I was never going to know if I could do it. And I had kind of reached my dream in the corporate world. I wanted to work in fashion and I did that. That was my last job. And um, yeah, kind of, yes, I, it was my intuition, my, what I call my crazy wisdom, mm. you know, the one that crazy wisdom, it's like, 
you need to go do this. But everyone's around you like, what are you crazy? You're going to leave your six figure corporate job and your, you know, your big career to go out and inspire and empower women and girls. I mean, that's what people would say, like, really, Christine? <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of said that too at first. And, and that's what I, you know, I do a lot of work with women transitioning from, I mean, and not everyone should become an entrepreneur. Let's just say that right off the bat. It is, it is challenging. And it's not your calling. You should not do it. But we all are looking at our lives, right? Of like, what's really in alignment? Where do we, what do we want to, and we're changing. I think you're totally right, Renee, is that the reason we don't listen to those inner knowings, those inner nudges, what I call that crazy, fierce, feminine wisdom is because it's scary because it pushes us beyond our comfort zone and it pushes us beyond conventional wisdom and it causes us to do things differently. But I think like if, if you're not doing things differently and you're not, you know, not pushing yourself, but allowing yourself to be pulled in the direction of your destiny, then it's just like being a TikTok robot who's just going through the motions. And I think if anything, this last year has shaken up a lot of people to like look around and be like, what am I really doing? Is this an alignment? Am I actually happy? Is this race going anywhere? I think that's where we're at right now. Mm. It's very empowering and also, you know, very challenging. It is. And it's, it's such a curious topic to kind of wrap your mind around because you hear people talking about intuition and trusting your gut and things. And, you know, I think that, yes, you're absolutely correct. Not everybody's made to be an entrepreneur. And I think that there are really hard days and um, they're really great days and everything in between. But um, you, I actually got goosebumps when you said you just knew even at your corporate career and walking away with a six figure income and doing what you really wanted. Um, but it's kind of like one of those signs. If it feels crazy, like it's batshit crazy, you should probably do it. And that's, it's so weird to say, because then how did you deal with the people mm -hmm. that were like, what are you doing, Christine? Whoa, whoa are you sure? Well, and it's interesting because the outside world will reflect the things that you're insecure about in yourself. Oh, that's so, that's a good. So just okay. know that, you know, so it's like, even when I left Chicago, so I grew up in Chicago and as soon as I finished my MBA, I left Chicago when I finished my MBA school to go to California to pursue my dream of working in fashion with no job. And so all of my counterparts getting their MBAs are all going off to big consulting jobs and big, you know, jobs at big companies. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life selling mayonnaise for like a big corporation. And I've been a consultant before and I worked, you know, 80 hours a week. I don't want to do that either. And they all thought I was nuts. My grandmother's like, I'm so worried about you. I'm like, spend your energy loving me instead of worrying for me. I'll be okay. The worst thing that happens is I run out of money and I got to go get a job as a consultant or, you know, whatever. So I always say like, follow that grounded wisdom. This is the challenge we face as women. We're not taught about our intuition. We're taught to value our masculine power of intellect and we poo poo and we woo woo the intuition. And we don't know the difference between what is like magical thinking and wishful thinking. And that I'm just so fed up with my life. I'm going to cut the cord to like grounded wisdom. So when, when we, when people make career transitions or life transitions, which is a big part of my work of helping people go through those thresholds, I always say, trust that crazy wisdom, but don't be a dummy pants. <laughs> don't, you know, don't, don't cut down your tree. Don't cut down your livelihood. Don't cut down your, the financial support. So like when I left my corporate job to follow my inner wisdom, I consulted, I had a consulting job while I also was building my coaching and my leadership practice. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, and I was just, it's, and you have to, you know, both. And then eventually it takes about, I remember someone saying it will take you about three years to do that. And because I'm a high achiever, I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll, <laughs> it'll, I'll get it faster. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I'm a card trade member in the Impatience Club, too. I don't know if you have one of those cards, Renee, but I, uh, I, I, I definitely, it's one of the things I have to be careful of, of. Like, I always want to be where I'm not. So my practice is patience and presence and allowing things to unfold versus me pushing to make things happen. Oh, I can say yes, 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 because... You may be doing one thing, but you're always thinking ahead to where you want to be and how you want to get there next. And you lose focus of celebrating where you are now. And then when you do take the time to look back, sometimes that is so empowering. But like you said, we're so busy going forward. We miss those magical moments sometimes. Yeah. And when, you know, it's interesting when I'm thinking back now, reflecting as we're talking, when I was doing, when I, when I made the transition out of a full-time employee, because that was the problem for me, I was a full-time employee and there was no flexibility. And I worked in a pretty awesome company. And I was like, this doesn't work for me. Like I should be able to just do my work. It doesn't matter whether it's 40 hours a week, you see me every day. Like, do I get my work done? Yes. But that they were not amenable to that at that time. So I ended up consulting, doing work in corporate for someone who had this really great consulting firm. And so I went and I did employee communications and I did employee surveys and I would go travel around the country and I loved it. You know, it was great. And I would go in, I'd work a couple months and I would then focus on my book. And if I had actually not been pushing myself to get farther ahead and pressuring myself to get to these unrealistic goals that are set in the entrepreneur world, as well as in the corporate world, it's no better in the entrepreneur world. It's like, you can make six figures, you know, in 10 months. And I'm like, not really, <laughs> you know, like at a great cost. And so if I could look back at that, if I had just, I needed the feminine, I needed to know how to pace myself. Mm. I needed to learn how to be both focused and fluid. I needed to know how to trust my intuition and marry it with my intellect. And I just didn't know what I didn't know because we don't get these classes right. and like what feminine power and feminine wisdom is. So it was kind of like I was operating at half power and that was driving me into overwhelm. That was driving me into burnout. And then there was like this deep desire to, to serve the world, like to serve women and girls. So like that purpose in me, that mission, and I would just give and give and give but then there would never be enough for me. Yeah. So I always had to keep working to make more. Yes. Oh, so much. Yes. Have you always had, even though you found out a point in your life and you recognized you were using more of your masculine power and you needed more of that feminine um, power, have you always had a strong intuition or did you have to learn how to hear it? I always had a strong intuition. I think I um, always trusted it in the area of my career and I always trusted it in the realm of my education, but I didn't trust it in relationship. And this is the thing about intuition is we're all born with it. And in the society I would like to live in, the culture that I'm creating is one in which, you know, grandmothers teach it to mothers and mothers teach it to daughters. And it just, it, it never breaks. Like a, girl, a young one has got total body chills. Like a young woman knows from the time, she never loses that. We're born with it. And she never, she never starts to mistrust it. And she never overvalues the intellect. She really, she understands it and it's celebrated, you know? So what I find is that a lot of um, women are strong in certain areas where they'll trust it. Like I, I'm thinking of a client of mine who's a doctor. She's a high risk OBGYN doctor and runs a 
um, a um, residency program on the East Coast. And she's always, oh, she's a doctor. She has these high risk, like women could die, right? And she just knows what to do. So in the, in the, in the emergency room, she, she trusts that intuition like that. But when it comes to relationships, she chose some pretty bad relationships. And thankfully, at least what happened for her, she just stopped dating. I mean, she stopped dating at about 35. Her twin sister actually ended up marrying. So it's interesting that she ended up marrying a not a great relationship. And, and so in some ways, it was better that she just stopped, right? And for me, I just, I almost married the wrong person for all the wrong reasons. And thank God the universe you know, woke me up at the age of 30. So I, I was making bad relationship choices because I didn't trust my intuition. You know, I was with someone for 15 years and I knew six months in that I should not be in that relationship, mm. but I stayed 14 years and six months wow. <laughs> for deep reasons, you know, that are, that are in there. And so I think it's important to see your life, like where are you strong in your intuition and where are you trusting it and where are you weak at? And then dive into that weakness part so that you can really get into what's going on in there and understanding your own heart. And then also lean in to the parts where you're really strong. So it's perfectly normal to have stronger intuition in one area versus another, um, but to be aware of that because it can be worked on, right? It can, and it also strengthened. It's like the way that I think of it, like a, a superpower, right? So it's like you're, you, you need to strengthen that superpower. And the more you, you, you use it, the more you trust it. So the reason I was able to 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 make the transition from a you know high paying corporate career that would just have kept you know going up the ladder is I had made a lot of smaller and also bigger leaps you know in trust factors. So I had that relationship built. I'm like I can do this. Like what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Uh, go get another job. <laughs> you know like that's the worst thing that would happen. And so. I think that's that is first knowing how your intuition works. So one thing I loved a question I could ask everybody is think of a time in your life, and Renee will ask this to you too. Think of a time in your life when you trusted that crazy wisdom, when there was something inside of you that said, "This is your path." You know, do it differently. Like this is this is the way. And everyone, most people around you were like doing something different, or people thought you were crazy, but you trusted it. Mm-hmm. And what was true for you in that moment? that allowed you to trust yourself? What was true for you like in yourself and what was also true around you that allowed you to trust yourself? So what would be a crazy, I call these crazy wisdom Mm. moments. What would be a moment for you, Renee? I like that. Um, Well, as soon as you said that, I knew the first one that came to mind, which I've actually reminded myself as you go through life and you do different things and you're in different seasons and sometimes you listen more to that intuition than others, but um, I take myself back to this time and I just knew and it was crazy. And, you know, I had went to Australia after I graduated college for six months because I didn't want to jump into the quote unquote real world yet. So I was like, I'm going to go travel and work and travel up the coast in Australia and a good roommate of mine went and we were over there and it was amazing. And um, I found a job to afford more travel and she didn't, she came back to the States. So I was like, I need to stay over here by myself. It's going to be okay. I, I just, I need to do this. And I did it. And I came back to the States and it was great to see my family and friends and everything, but I was sad. You know, I missed, I missed mm. that part of me. And um, I actually was interviewing for jobs at that point. And I had volunteered on a crisis hotline, my background, psychology and advertising. And it was a six person panel interview. They called me afterwards. They offered me the position. 
And I literally remember it was a hot summer day in August and I was sitting in my car. I know it was actually end of May because I got back to the States beginning of May and um, getting ready to go into this Amish style restaurant where I was a server and they offered me the position. And I didn't even say I need to think about it. What I said was, I appreciate this opportunity so much, but it's just not the right fit for me. Mm. And I hung up the phone and I was like, oh my God, everybody's going to think I'm crazy. But I just knew that if I took that job, that that would be putting my roots down quickly to where I felt like I would be too enclosed and I needed Mm -hmm. to take a chance to grow more, even though I didn't know what that was. And, you know, I was working a serving job. I was cocktail waitressing. I was doing another serving job. It's working three jobs. This is like, you have a full benefits package, insurance, a salary, and you're not even, you know, out of school for four or five months, six months. And here it is. And I said, no. And Mm -hmm. I told my parents and told my friends and, Um, Like you said, you know, it's just, they supported me, but you know, I'm sure there was a lot of, I'm not really sure what's going on with her. (laughs) I mean, full body chills as you're telling the story, which is usually also like a sign, right? Our intuition will run those truth chills and you just know, like, you know, it in your body, you know, it in your core. And now looking back at that, um, aren't you glad you did that? Like that you trusted yourself? Oh, a hundred percent. The next, the next two years were so hard so hard a a year and a half job search job search I didn't even know what I was looking for I wasn't sure um and you know I kept reading job postings and oh I like this and I like this and I like this and I knew I wanted to travel and you know finally I came across this job that had everything and it was a contract job and it was 100% travel and it was representing the American Heart Association and doing Mm. speeches and doing all of this stuff and it was incredible and uh, I remember kissing, like it was when we still had a Sunday in resume and stuff. So I kissed it goodbye and they had called me and we did an interview and they called me back and they said, we loved you. Um, we really wanted to hire you, but there's somebody in, in office that we need to send out into the field, but we'll keep your information on file. I said, okay, great. So sad, so sad. And uh, by the end of that weekend, they had called me back to offer me the position because her dad worked for a competitor. And so mm. that kind of in turn, um, that's where my career began and it was crazy, but it was a hard, almost two years of job searching three, 4 AM, sometimes in the morning, depending on how many jobs you're working. I, you know, it's crazy, but, uh, it was worth it. And I bet it built up your trust muscles. Cause that's what we're talking about here is those, those times when we're like, Oh, it's, it's like, it's kind of like doing yoga, you know? And like, you're like in a position you're like, or you're running. Cause I know you're like a runner. It's like, you, you, you want to push, you don't want to push yourself, but you want to stretch yourself. Right. And that stretching yourself is just different than stressing yourself, which mm. is a big piece of what I believe like we as women need to, to really embrace is um, one of the first things I wrote in overwhelmed and over it was we women have become so resilient that we've become too tolerant from too resilient we become so tolerant so we become tolerant of the way that we work and live as like normal like we can just take more on we can just take more on like we can do this we can hoist the whole world on our shoulders we can take care of everybody but if you as, as i was doing the research for overwhelmed and over and just over the last 10 years of like what is under the root of like why women are, are still sacrificing themselves and we're less happy and we're more burned out not less and one of the things I realized is that the way that we have basically 
you know, you think of when women entered the workforce back in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have a choice to try and change anything. They're like, okay, ladies, you want your rights? Come on in, you know, cut your hair, wear little bow ties and put the shoulder pads on. And like, it was, there wasn't enough women in enough places of power. So we kind of had to play by the rules of a game that was never built with women's best interests at heart or really humans, really humans in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're in a different place right now. We are in places of power and we are in places of authority and influence. And we, we have more of a sense of our own agency and we are more connected than ever. And this is the time, like this is the time to actually for all of us to take a look around and be like, number one, what is no longer working in my own life? What is no longer sustainable in the way I'm working, in the way I'm living, and the way that my relationships are set up? And, and be honest about that. Like, really be truthfully honest. We all have them, all of us, because the systems aren't working anymore. But once you can get honest about that, then you can be like, okay, second question is, what is sustaining me? And more of that, right? More of that, like whatever that is, what's sustaining you and how you're working, what's sustaining you and how you're living, what's sustaining you in, in your relationships. That's the second part. And the third part is, what am I reimagining? What am I designing? What am I co-creating? What's the reality? What's the world I want to live in? And kind of like, you know, like not going like 10 years out to my 10-year plan, but like knowing that we, we are the creators, we are the culture makers. And so where to focus our energy and our time and our resources about creating the world we want to live in. So I want to live in a world in which young women are taught their intuition from the time that they are born and we honor it and we celebrate it. And you and I can, you know, go meet with a 10 year old and we'd be like, honey, how does your intuition talk to you? She'd be like, well, let me tell you, I'm auditory <laughs> and I'm kinesthetic and we'd be like, oh, me too, you know, like that's the world I want to live in because then every choice we make is guided from that deeper and higher and more enlightened place. And that mm-hmm. really as a parent or as people who help people like that part, no one can take that away from you. And that is, um, that's the world I'd like to live in. Mm, I love it. It's so beautiful. And that's a great kind of transition into your book, which the full title is Overwhelmed and Over It, Embrace Your Power to Stay Centered and Sustained in a Chaotic World. And um, my goodness, first of all, before we go into all of the, the goodness that's inside of the book and kind of telling our listeners what it's about, what led you what was going on in your life that led you here where you knew you had to write this book? Well, it started the 10 years ago with Superwoman Sob. That was the moment when I realized there was a problem. Um, and I um, and I felt like a lot of the, the strategies of self-care and self-love and stress management and time management and productivity, like it was just making it so that we could tread water in an unsustainable reality. And I'm like, there's some that where something else going on. I'm going to go deeper into the roots of what's going on. And so I went deeper from like a human consciousness perspective, but I also went back and talked to the women who were at the forefront of the women's liberation movement in the sixties and seventies. And was kind of like WTF, like, can you explain to me what's going on? Like why we feel, you know, so much pressure. And, and two things came out of those conversations. I actually got to speak to Gloria Steinem too and have a one-on-one conversation with her it was really awesome. She's amazing. Um, was two things. One because we didn't, we weren't in places of power, when women did enter the workforce fully, the systems didn't change to account for the shift in the family dynamic and the working dynamic and all of those different dynamics. And, and so we just took more on. So that more thing, like just like 
do more, have more, be more. And if you think about like the 1980s and the 1990s, like, and you really think about it, it was like crazy consumption. It's just like the whole, it's like kind of gross if you think about the 80s and 90s, right? So we were, we were just part of all of that. So we all have that, that imprinting. And we were not taught that we need to make choices. This was the memo we didn't get. It's like, you can do anything. You can be anything, which is yeah. awesome. But you have to make choices. And choices like, Renee, you have different choices that are aligned for you that are different than me, that are different than the people who are you know, here with us in this conversation. But if you don't know yourself and you don't trust yourself, how can you actually define success for yourself? You can't. And so what I saw was, so many really smart, intelligent, amazing women living lives that weren't in alignment with who they were, what truly made them fulfilled. And so no matter how much they did or how much they were, you know, it just, it was never, never enough. And, um, and then about four years ago, I knew it was time to write the book. So I've been teaching this and experimenting on myself and working it with other women. And I'm like, okay, now is the time. And I just didn't know that 2020 was coming and the catalyst, you know, it's like, who knew, but I'm like, it's time to write overwhelmed and over it my inner wisdom knew. And I didn't want to write this book first. There was actually a different book I wanted to write, which is the next book and the book after that. So I knew I was writing a trilogy, but my inner wisdom's like, no, you have to write this book. And I had no idea that I would be writing it at a time when it's the exact message and the, not just the message, but the practical path to how do we do things differently, not just put band-aids over everything and keep making everything you know, kind of like the Dutch boy with all the, like, plug all the holes in me, you know, like, we don't want to do that anymore. Mm. I, that was a great analogy, too, about um, treading water. And I, I'm a very visual person. And, you know, just kind of watching some of your videos and things, I thought that you did a really great thing about how you give, you give, you give, you give, you take, you give. And so I thought that was such a great visual, because you're right. We become resilient. And before we know it, we're doing 5,059 things a day. And then we wonder why we're burnt out. So mm -hmm. for somebody looking to kind of reset and live a life that they're thriving, not that they're just treading water in, um, it sounds like this book is a great place to start, but is it overwhelming <laughs> to think about taking that on? How does that work? How do you kind of prevent that from happening in your book? Yeah, that was fair. That's why it took me a year to write the, um, it took me a year to write the proposal and because I had to figure out the outline. Because I'm like, how do I write a book that actually gets women out of overwhelm, liberates us, but also doesn't overwhelm us? Us. Right? That was, because that's the last thing. Oh, great. Now I have to figure out how to get out of overwhelm, right? It's like, no, 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 no. That's not, <laughs> that's not the, the not, not the path. It's not the path. So I actually think, I think I actually did it. You'll have to read it. And I think it's a book, I think it's a book that takes you through a process and is a guide. So it's not like I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read this over a weekend. It is more like I'm going to be in relationship with myself mm -hmm. and I'm going to become more aware. So the first step is awareness. You cannot change what you cannot see. So we need to become awareness of our own imprints within ourselves. So in my research, what I found is there's 12, there's probably more, but there's 12 core imprints that we run inside as women that cause us to overgive and cause us to work too much and cause us to give too much in relationship and cause us to, you know, be busy, busy, busy. Like one that you're talking about, Renee, is that it's better to give than receive. 
which is the old programming. Because if it's better to give than receive, if you just think about that for a moment, if that was the programming running in your internal operating system, not just a belief, but it's actually like an imprint in us. 100%, yeah. We give and give and give like there's banks that won't take in deposits, right? So it's like, no, I'll just keep giving and giving and then until you're bankrupt and you're like, oh crap, like now I need to <laughs> receive, but you're already burned out. And it's why it's so hard for women to receive. We are really good at being achievers, strong achievers, check, got that, right? Selfless caregivers, check, got that. Receivers, oh, I don't need, it. I'm good, I'm good, you know, yeah, I'm good. Like, you know, like from the little compliment that we get to like the man saying, can I take your bag down? I can't tell you the number of women that come to my retreats and my, my partner, Noah, six foot two, big man, let me take your bags. And they'd be like, no, 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 I got it. And he's like, no, no, really, let me take your bags from you. And I'm not kidding you, 70% just look at him and like, no. And like, they're like, I'm going to punch your lights out, Mr. Man, if you try to take my bags. Smart ones, they look at him like this. And I could see like their brains, like, you know, starting to like move and their eyeballs are kind of moving. And they're like, did someone just ask to take this heavy burden off of my hands? And they give, I watched it so many times, they give him the bags and their whole body goes, and they smile and they go off and play somewhere, you know? And the other ones struggle to their room and they're all, and it's like a metaphor for how we live our lives as women because we become so strong and so self-sufficient and so resilient that we push away that help because we think it's weak. We've been programmed to believe needing things are weak. That's a hundred percent so accurate. And yeah, and so what you're saying is that a good starting place is to learn how to give and receive because I think that there could be a hang up too with receiving like, oh, I don't need to receive. I can give our, you know, you can give to somebody else. I'm good, I'm good, I got this. Um, but based on what you're teaching, that is something that has been imprinted into us. It is. And I, what I've identified is there's 13 different ways we overgive. So this is like, this is my superpower, taking big things like overwhelm and overgiving. How do I even like get in there, right? To understand. So there's these 13 different ways of overgiving. There's, see if any of these sound familiar to you. There's over caretaking where you're over caretaking other people and their problems and you're taking it on and you're kind of like all, you know, like managing that. There's overcompensating where maybe other people aren't showing up or like the system isn't like functioning the way it does, but you just pour your energy in and you overcompensate for the lack. There is over responsibility where you're taking on, you know, more and more and more, even if it's not yours to shoulder. There's over promising where you say, yes, yes, I can. Even if you know, no, you can't and like your inner wisdom is like, no, you can't. And um, what would be another one? Another one is over, um, well, those are a couple that I can't think of all 13, but those are a couple. Does any of those, do any of those, which ones of those resonate? Oh yeah, absolutely. That whole overcompensating thing and over caregiving and stuff like that. Um, yes. And I like that you have a quiz that you can take two to figure out how many of these do I fall into? <laughs> How many? And then you can rank them. So like what I do is every year in my feminine wisdom school and then me, myself, my practice is to choose one over that I'm going to work with all year. And I'm going to become more aware of how it shows up in my business and my relationships and my money and all these different places. So last year was overextending. So when I was writing the book, I chose overextending. So that's like overextending your time, your life force, your money to kind of make things happen faster or make things happen that you want to, or even you want to, you might want to be generous, right? But you really don't have it to give, which is kind of 
crazy to do it when you do a book release because there's all kinds of things that you should be doing. But what was so awesome about it, you all, it really made me have to stay true to sustainable success and pacing myself and allowing the universe to show me the timing and the, and the path versus me deciding what that path was going to be. And so it totally pushed me, totally broke open imprints, broke open patterns, broke open beliefs. So it was like doing yoga, like, you know, not even an easy set. Um, but I came out of that year with like those patterns and habits broken open. So I don't make those same choices. It goes back to choices. So if I don't know I'm making choices about the investments I make in resources or staff or whatever, I'm just unconscious to it. But if you can see it, you're like, oh, there's overextending. Oh, there's over, I'm overcompensating. And then you can stop and pause. And then what you do is you ask the question, what would be in harmony to give? Or in my case of overextending, what would be in harmony to spend? What would be in harmony to invest? And then put that into the universe. And then you watch the system, which is the relationships, the organization, even your own company start to shift around you. And I always say, expect resistance as you start to make mm. these changes, your, your resistance, other people's resistance and systems. So whether it's your own company or it's in an organization, because it doesn't want you to change because it's benefiting from your overhead. <laughs> and, and even you, you're like, I don't want to, because at some level, and this is the deeper part, your value is caught up in that. Your self-worth yeah. is, is caught up in that. And who am I for me? Like if I don't put everything into this book and the book isn't successful or whatever, who will, if, if I was letting myself be run by that, like in my first book and my second book, um, <laughs> you know, and this like deeper need for recognition and deeper need for being received. Like if I didn't know that those were in there operating at an emotional and spiritual and physical level, they would continue to run my business choices and my time choices, but I'm aware of them so I can see them. And mm. over time, they stop running you and you elevate, you know, you, you elevate your consciousness, you elevate the way you operate in the world and your life comes more into harmony. Mm. I love it. I love that this book is more of a guide. And like you say, it's not a to-do list. It's not something else to do. You know, it, you're making a life change. It's not um, something to just keep checking off, but it's a greater understanding and just the work that you're doing to increase, increase and create a generational awareness about the education of intuition um, is just so powerful. And it's kind of as many people as we can touch with spreading the information and things, you know, that's where the power is going to lie as well. And I have the digital copy of your book, but if you don't mind, Christine, can you, I see it in the background there. Can you oh, yeah. hold it up? The cover is so gorgeous. Oh, I love it. I love it too. My, my, my designer came out of retirement to do this. She had an intuitive hit. I want to start designing again. And I had an intuitive hit to reach out to her. We reached out to each other on the text on the same day. And then we co-designed this cover um, together. And then the, and the publisher helped too. But it was like one of those things, like when you're connected to your intuition, she trusted hers and I trusted mine. And, um, and now I have a book cover. I'm like, how do I do a book cover called Overwhelmed and Over that feels like empowering and like, you know, like liberating, you know, versus some of the covers were like, the, the audio book. Oh my God. The, the first cover of the audio book. And this woman was like this, you know, like on the cover, like she was like having a superwoman sob. I'm like, no, no, you're missing the point. We want to show them what's possible after the superwoman sob. I'm like, no one's going to get that audio book. <laughs> she looks depressed and like she's about, you know, in the pits of despair. So they changed it. They actually changed the cover. 
which was great. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's funny. Um, Tell our listeners where they can find your book. And I know you have a podcast. It sounds like you do retreats. Um, And if you offer one-on-one coaching and just kind of how people can come to work with you. Yeah. Um, come over to overwhelmedandoverit.com is the easiest way to find me because it's the book page. And then and that's on my website. So you'll see all the other good stuff. And I do work with people individually and we'll be teaching the book. Um, I'll be doing some kind of group um, experience this year. So that'll be fun. And my podcast is called Feminine Power Time. So it's a great place to connect. And yeah, this is my work. I mean, it's like, we, this is our work. This is my work in the world. And I'm so glad that I made the choice to trust. And I work with a lot of women in the systems. Like we're saying that everyone should become an entrepreneur. There's, we all need different places, but it's like knowing where you, what's right for you now, I think is what I would say to everybody. And that whatever you've done in the past was right up till then. And this is the thing about a a truly empowered woman. She knows when it's time to make a shift and she doesn't try to do it alone. This is the other piece I think we really, and that's why I love this project that you're, you're doing, Renee, is that we need each other. We need sisterhood. We need support. We need people to reflect to us. I don't operate in, in a silo. I have a council of clarity, I call them, a council of clarity around me. I have feminines with my dear friends and sisters who we meet together once a month. And so I have these like support structures that are that are holding me up and helping me when I get wobbly bobbly. And I think that it's one of the biggest um, things I would love to see shift is women re-embracing true sisterhood and having that experience of it. And I think when that happens, I think the world will shift pretty darn fast. Mm, so good. Um... Gosh, Christine, this, thank you so much. You've shared so much inner wisdom and just through your own experiences. And I mean, even when you mentioned about your relationship and, you know, it was 14 years. And I think you said the months that you knew that that you had to make a shift. (laughs) I, I need to rewind real quick back to that. How did you find the strength to do, to make such a huge change? Mm. Um, well, it was a, tr- I was 30 at the time and it was kind of my big wake up call. So, you know, to be truthfully honest with you all, um, when the, he was the one who pulled the cord. So he, he broke up with me on the way to our engagement party Wow. and yeah, it basically said, I don't love you. And I've been cheating on you and, you know, and, and this is what woke me up. Cause I was like, well, that's nice, but we'll fix that. And we went to our engagement party. Like if I showed you the pictures of, from that engagement party, Renee, you'd all be like, she looks really good. You could never tell that that, <laughs> that, that just happened. Because I was like, well, no, we'll just fix this. Because I'd been fixing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then after two weeks of like literally begging this man so, to take me back. So I'm getting my MBA at Kellogg, best business school in the country. I have a big job. Like I'm a happy person and I'm begging a man to take me back. Yeah. Thank God. I always send him little gratitude cards. And I thank you so much. Thank you so much. So basically what happened is um, I went to see an astrologer and I had never seen an astrologer before. And she read my chart and his, and she basically said, look, honey, you can keep trying to follow this man and chase this man, but he's going to like, just make you miserable or you could let go and your life will open up into possibilities you could never imagine. I just needed that one person. Yeah. I needed one person to tell me there was something possible and I, um, and I made a choice in that moment. Well, actually that little voice spoke to me again, the one about the feminine wisdom. First night I had moved out of my house. I had to leave my big house, my dog, my, the whole thing. And I'm living in my friend's studio apartment with her. She's engaged. She's off with her fiance. And I hear the voice, 
Christine, you know, you have a lot of self-esteem, but you do not love yourself. And I was like, uh, that's true. And I don't even know what the heck self-love is. And that's on me on a whole other journey. That's the, we're choosing me before we and the other parts came from. But I made a choice that moment. I made a promise that I've kept ever since, which is I will never settle for less than my heart and soul desires. Mm which means I have to know what my heart and soul desires, which means I have to be in relationship to my heart and soul coming back to where we started. And so I would give everyone that, that promise. And we're so conditioned in this world to think our, we should be here, but it's actually in our heart, in our body, where the wisdom is. And, um, and, and, and I had a lot of support. I had a lot of support to make it through the first two years of that. Um, to the night and they kind of held me, you know, they were like my circle, like my support circle, no, my wings of support. And um, I don't think I, I wouldn't have made it without those, those circles yeah. and those wings around me. It's so important to receive when that support is extended as well. I mean, I think that's a great example of that. Um, gosh, and I think I, <laughs> I'm going to say that sounded like a red bra moment, but we do wrap up every one of our episodes asking our guests, you know, the red bra is something that is empowering and it's full of confidence and love and it's underneath it all. You don't have to be showy. You can be showy, but it's just important that you know it's there. Um, and they can be big and small moments. It's not just one red bra moment that makes up your whole life, but having this conversation with you, I can hear many that I'm like, that was one, that was one, that was one. But personally <laughs> for you, when you think about a time when you look back and you're like, yeah, I really, that was my red bra moment because I look back and I'm so happy for what I did and the confidence and mm. just the joy shines through. What was that for you? Well, I do have a red bra. It's as red with polka dots on it. Oh, um, I, love it. I love that. Right. <laughs> and so it's playful, you know, cause I can be very serious and very intense. So I need that. I need the, the, yeah. the, um, the white, uh, the white polka dots. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, and this is, this is just what's coming, um, is that I continue to open my heart to more love and, and more love again and again. So like, even when um, things were hard, and especially for me, once I left ex-person, that's why I call my ex-person, I was done with that. And I actually did meet a really wonderful partner who's taught me so much about relationship and love, but I had opened my heart to that. You know, I had to open my heart to let this, like I call Noah a walking love. Like he's just this love, you know, he's like, I love you. And I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of love. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I still have a hard time opening up to that love. Or I think about, I had some pretty traumatic relationships with, with women, people who were like soul sisters that blew up on me and were really, really challenging. And it's like, I remember one of my, my spiritual mentor, Ariel saying to me, will you open your heart to love once more? And there's like a party that's like, I don't want to, you know, I do not want to. Um, but I think I keep, it's not one moment. It's like, will I open my heart to love again? Will I open my heart? Don't be a dummy pants. Don't, you know, trust people to be who they are, put people in the right place. But again and again, I choose to open, um, to open my heart to love. I love that. I love that. And look at, look at all of the possibility and things that it has brought into your life. And that is such a beautiful reminder. Thank you for sharing. Hmm, thanks for asking. I'm so excited. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to, I didn't wear my, my, my red bra today, but I'm going to wear it tomorrow. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> my, my so yes. I, I <laughs> we close out every single one of our episodes with a quote for our guests. And the one that we chose for you is the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. William mm -hmm. James. 
And I think that the example that you just gave with you choosing love over and over and over is so, so fitting. So thank you so much, Christine, for sharing your heart and the intention and just everything with your book. I think it is just going to touch so many lives and we're so excited to share it out on our, on our podcast and YouTube channel. Mm, thank you, Renee and Davis, for everyone for being in this conversation together. I feel like I feel like we're all in it together. I'm kind of I'm excited. I'm like I'm like we're gonna do this together, and one day we're all gonna be sitting down, like having coffee. I'll be having some red wine, whatever. Be like, we did this. We changed right. the world. <laughs> that is right. Our worlds first. Body so. chills. You're so right. Yes, we just have to keep doing it one one person, one heart at a time. So, and one small but significant step. So no one short circuit themselves or overwhelm themselves. One small but significant step at a time. I love it. Thank you. And thank everybody for joining in. Please share Christine's story with somebody who you think needs it in their life. Um, sharing is the power behind the stories. And we appreciate each and every one of you. If you don't already remember, you can always subscribe for show reminders. And you can also listen to us now because we're available in podcast form. So for our visual people, you have the YouTube channel. And for our listeners, um, you can head on over to where you grab your favorites podcast. But we're all over on Spotify, iTunes, um, all the normal podcast sites. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Christine, it was so amazing having you on the Red Bra Project. Great. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Renee. Bye-bye. so much for spending some time with us on the Red Bra Project. We are so excited you stopped by. If the story resonated with you, if you could take one second and share it with somebody who needs it in their life, we would be so grateful. Stories hold so much power. We'd love to hear from you. So tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Come on over and say hi to us at the Red Bra Project on Instagram. You can check the full written blog posts on our website, theredbraproject.com. And every single one of our podcasts has a video to go with it over on our YouTube channel, The Red Bra Project. So thank you again for joining us and we will see you soon.